Welcome to episode 106 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and I'm joined today, as always, by J.P. Breen and Ryan Topp. And this is our third attempt to get going, or fourth? I think it's four. Yeah, this has been a rough go to even get moving on this thing today. No, we were trying to welcome Steve back and saying it was nice to have a professional on here, and now we've had four like non-starts to this thing because he either can't talk, we have visitors coming from upstairs, or like we talk about weather for so long that Steve decides it's boring as hell. <laughs> we are doing our best to cut out Ryan's weather reports because I don't really think they're that accurate either, which <laughs> I think that's that's kind of a rough go. Plus, it's a day later when everybody's listening, at least. So that's also not helpful. <laughs> when all, when everyone listening was like, yeah, I remember yesterday. <laughs> I remember that. Way to look outside, Ryan. Way to look outside. Uh, hey, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also the follow you can also follow the three of us on Twitter. JP's Ghost Runner on second base. Ryan is RD Top, and I'm Steve Gershinsky. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast network, you can visit patreon.com slash tailgate. Our ball and glove patrons and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and the reporting as eligible weekly Packers preview. The first episode of that will drop on Tuesday morning, so be on the lookout for that if you are a Patreon subscriber. Uh, join the MMB level on Patreon for your entry into the reporting as eligible fantasy football league. You excited for that, Ryan? I don't think I'm participating. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure I'm not. You'd be insufferable. Oh, I'm always insufferable when it comes to fantasy football. So you'd be that person that everybody wants to beat. Maybe they'll put you in there just for that. <laughs> everybody can hate on Ryan. Uh, the league winner will get a copy of Tecmo Super Bowl 19, which combines the classic gameplay with current rosters. That is a cool prize. Yeah. Playing- I was going to like I want I was thinking about like trying to participate because I wanted that prize and then I realized a I it probably wasn't for me and b I'm not good enough. So I mean you can get lucky, I don't know. Paul Paul claims that he's not a great fantasy football player even though he breaks down football all the time. I think he's just sandbagging it. I I could consider playing and then putting my profile as Ryan and then like that would be good. Yeah, I, wanna, like, I, I definitely want to see you do that. Sign up as Ryan. Spamming everyone, just tons and tons of terrible trades. Oh, oh, it's the worst. See, that would be the giveaway, though, because Ryan always thinks his roster is the best, and he cannot get rid of any player. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So you'd have to hoard guys for the following season. <laughs> the, for the, do the Keeper League for the one-year fantasy league. Yes. Again, Ryan plays Keeper Leagues when it's a redraft league which is always fun. Uh, Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for the great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. It's that time of year. Carbon 4's October Ale is in stores. Fermented at near lager temperatures, this beer attempts to catch magic in a glass. It has soft toffee notes wrapped in a blanket of flavors of fresh-baked bread. Uh, it's then accented with a pleasant, subtle, woodsy experience provided by a whiskey-soaked blend of French and American oak. Sound good, Ryan? That does sound very good. You like your oaks? I do. You like a good woody flavor? <laughs> like a hard wood in your mouth? <laughs> wow. Wow. No? 
No. You can go out to the store and get that one. Uh, pick up a six pack today, uh, or you can visit the brewery on Kinspin Boulevard on in on in on Madison's East Side. Yeah, both of those things. Check that out. You can get a uh, growler filled crowler. Aren't they that smaller ones? Those are the thirty two ounce cans. Yeah. So you can get all of those, and then as always, you can get twenty percent off of merch in the Carbon Four Web Store with the promo code MKE Tailgate. Check out Carbon Four.com for more information. Carbon Four beer brilliance so i realized that as we were talking about ryan rebuilding for next year in a dynasty league for a redraft you're steve you're the one with the actual fantasy baseball team right now in our league that is called rebuilding for 2020 i am because I, I i know what my status is in the league at the moment and it's clearly not 2019 it's it's probably not 2020 either <laughs> are you saying i cannot redraft a better team next year <laughs> i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll g- give a little bit more information about uh, the upcoming playoffs, actually. Yeah, for- all I can say is screw the Cubs. I will not draft any more Cubs. I think that has been my key source of uh, issues this, se- this season. Yeah, I that do- was not good. I would say I do actually, like, for how much I can't, uh, you know, f- function in a fantasy football league very well. I do co- co-own with one of my childhood best friends, and we do have one rule, and it is we do draft no Bears at all, ever. And so maybe you need to adopt that for the Cubs. I, I am definitely going to do that going forward because I pretty much do that in fantasy football. I refuse to draft you don't, Bears. You don't draft any Cubs? Oh. Well, I don't draft. Well, I've had seasons where it probably looked like I drafted some Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, let's get into this. A uh, little bit of a rough start to the week for the Brewers uh, playing the Cardinals. Uh, this whole stretch right now is pretty important for the team because they have some the Cardinals matchups, a couple Cubs matchups. Um, they dropped two or three to the Cardinals. Uh, Geo had a rough go of it uh, in his game. Yeah, the location was just terrible. He really did not look like himself in that game. And you could sort of see it coming. And they got him out of it relatively. Um, or actually, no, they didn't. They left him in, but he kind of stabilized because what he gave up like six, seven runs in the first couple innings and then was able to like eke out five innings just because they needed somebody to go some length. But. He's been better, I suppose, so far on Sunday. We're three innings in, and he's got three shutout, but he's had base runners consistently. So, I don't know. It's just, it's this is part of the deal with Gio is he's going to be around the zone, but not necessarily always in the zone. And if you have a lineup of hitters that are willing to be patient, like the Cubs at times are, then you're gonna he's going to struggle sometimes, so... JP, do you think Geo is a part of a rotation that can stabilize this team and make this a uh, final playoff push? Well, he'd better be. I mean, I don't necessarily. You're hoping that you can catch lightning in a bottle over over a stretch, but what they really need to be able to do is get into a place in which their bullpen is good enough that you can only have, you know, that you can be comfortable with Geo going four or five innings and then turning over turning it over to the bullpen if you can. Um Right now, as we are recording, Justin Verlander's working on a no-hitter in the eighth inning. Obviously, the Brewers aren't going to be able to compete or have any guys you know, that, that just can compete with what the Dodgers can put out there, what the Nationals can put out there, even with like teams like the Mets, even though the, the Mets aren't necessarily going to make the playoffs. But the Brewers have to be able to do it in a different way. They have to be able to mix and match over a long period and, frankly, hope that they can catch lightning in a bottle with multiple guys at the right time. Um, and Gio is one of the guys that, you know, has the capability of doing it for a few starts, but they just 
might not get the good geo all the time. Yeah. Now, speaking of a bullpen that you're hoping to get it together, uh, the Brewers made an interesting move. Was it right away on Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. When they DFA'd Jeremy Jeffress, which was a surprise to most. Yeah, I think it's fair to say people weren't really expecting it. Um, I, I guess, is this a matter of Jeffress maybe just not being healthy and they don't think he's going to get back to uh, full health and be effective? I mean, I think it's part of it. They did say David Stearns was talking about this, and he basically said that he's never been quite right this whole season. I have the, the quotes on here. He's never been quite right this season. He was behind the eight ball at the start of the year with shoulder weakness. Um, was probably something that impacted the entire season and that his arsenal changed this year from what it was last year. Less fastball velo, not throwing a splitter as much, which JP's talked about as a bunch. Um, those quotes came from Tom Hodderkirk, by the way. Uh, and he's just not the pitcher that he was last year. And Stern said that he had already decided that uh, they were going to DFA him. Or that they were, sorry, they were not going to pick up his, his contract option for 2020, which is a $4 million option. And since they had already decided that they weren't going to pick that up, and they needed room on their roster, and they weren't sure what he was going to be able to give for the rest of this year, the time had sort of come. And it's really rough because, uh, shout out to Kurt Hogg, who mentioned this on Twitter today. Jeremy Jeffress has the sixth most Fangraphs war of any Brewer reliever in team history. And he has been a really incredible piece for them at times through some definite ups and downs. And he, I mean, he's really gone through everything with this organization and others, but he has been very effective and was a key, key contributor to the 2018 team. But they apparently have made the decision that they don't think that that guy is necessarily going to come back. Well, you just said he had been effective, but he hasn't been effective recently. So He was reasonably effective this year. I mean, he was he was competent. He had some ups and downs this year. He had times when he was very hittable and times Well, when but he was we had just talked about good. needing needing a bullpen that can do more than just be competent. Well, and the other issue going forward is going to be that for next year and I was talking about this on Twitter a little bit earlier that so the way the Brewers run their team is essentially you have like an eight-man bullpen. And that's probably going to be enshrined into the rules, actually, this offseason. Because MLB is going to institute a maximum number of, of pitchers you can have on your roster at any given time. Given the way they run their team, where they're shuffling two to three spots through AAA consistently, right? To be able to, to do what they do and to run things the way they run it. They only have you know, maybe five, maybe six spots in their in their bullpen. And JP has talked about this in the past as well, that they can sort of lock in. Well, beyond Hayter, Knable, Junior Guerra, who I think has definitely put himself into that group for next year, Alex Claudio, who is around. We'll see what ends <laughs> up happening with that. And a guy that they spent a decent amount to get at the trade deadline in Faria, who I believe is out of options next year, that locks up you know four or five roster spots in the bullpen. So if they wanted to bring Jeffress back, that was probably going to mean they couldn't you know go out and get a, a bigger upgrade to the bullpen. So I think that's basically what happened here was they decided that they needed more certainty. They needed a guy who could give them more than what they were they felt comfortable expecting from Jeffress. So they needed to move on. Yeah, JP, we have a Patreon question from Brian Polakowski. He asks, why didn't they just 60-day uh, IL Jeffress? Uh, what chances do you see of a reunion with Jeffress uh, next season? 
I, I don't see a super high opportunity for Jeffress to come back. I think one of the biggest things that is concerning is not only just the fact that that his shoulder issues seemingly have lingered all season, but it is the fact that his his arsenal has changed. And this is something that, you know, like I noted is all the way back in September last year. It was the fact that one of the things that made him the most successful that he had been throughout his entire career was the fact that his his split change was devastating. He's always had a fastball curveball. He's never necessarily been able to throw his curveball for strikes a bunch, but once he was able to develop that that split change, it was arguably his best pitch. If not, it was certainly his best off-speed pitch. And once he stopped throwing it, you could see that he was not necessarily as effective and velocity is dropping and there's all of those things as well. I would push back against the idea that he was necessarily usable uh, throughout the year. I think that they used him a lot throughout the year. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that I don't, I mean, his ERA was over five and you can say that, yeah, some of those clustered at times, but that's going to happen with a reliever and his DRA was, was up approaching five as well. He was, he was both ineffective and he had a lot of injury concerns and his arsenal had changed to the point that what made him so successful in 2018 was not allowing him to find the same level of success in 2019. And so I'm not necessarily surprised that they moved on. As far as why they didn't put him on the 60-day, I think it just they just decided that this was the move that they were going to do eventually anyway, so they just did it now. Well, and I think I, that really that allows him to go out, and his agent has been on Twitter on Sunday talking about the fact that, no, he's not actually shut down. He wants to catch on with another team and try to pitch in September and, and show something in that time. So he does want to do that, and I think that's probably a big part of why they let him go was so that he would be free to pursue other options. Yeah, it could be. I I am also not surprised that he wants to be able to try to catch on now because if he wants to do anything but sign a minor league deal in the offseason, he's going to have to show something in September. So I think he doesn't have much of a choice whether or not he actually feels healthy. This is his opportunity to go and show that he can do something. Otherwise, he's going to be if he ends up like needing a minor league deal somewhere, maybe he comes back to Milwaukee. I I think he's been a phenomenal uh, he's been a phenomenal influence in milwaukee more generally especially with a lot of the off-field stuff that he's done he's he's been great and i would love to see him come back to milwaukee in in some capacity even if it's not a baseball capacity if he can come back and and try to do those things eventually work with uh you know youth baseball in milwaukee if he wants to to do things um with the community organization that would be great too he's he's by all accounts been a phenomenal I don't know if you want to say like ambassador for the team in the city, but just I think has been a good con- contributor to the city more generally, even if it's not supposed to be a reflection of the Brewers uh, kind of more broadly, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, everybody rooted for Jeffress. So that's why this is a little bit more news than if another reliever was struggling and then was just DFA'd at the end of the season. Right. If this was Matt Albers, nobody would be talking yeah, about no, it. Yeah, so I, I think that says something about just what people thought of Jeffress. And, and you know, there's it feels like a, a bit of a loss, even though, again, he wasn't that effective this season. Well, uh, and I, I yes. was going to say, like, one other quick thing, and I apologize, is, is to say that I do think that a lot of people have kind of just said if he has an entire offseason and can get healthy, then why can't he be the person that he was in 2018? And I think that if you do get to the point in which you just have shoulder issues and you just have shoulder weakness to the point that like you're still just trying to pitch through it and can't, 
I don't see anything that says an entire offseason is just going to allow you to get healthy for this like unspecified weakness that you're not really sure what the issue is anyway, much less if you actually need surgery on something. So I hope he's able to kind of work through it. Um, I think he needs to try to find another off-speed pitch that can help him do it. If it's not a split change, he needs to kind of mess with some grips to try to get a regular change up. But I really hope he's able to, to catch on somewhere. He's able to find a way to reinvent himself to to allow him to kind of find success with what he is now. But I don't think that just an off season would like magically make him healthy. Cause I don't think anybody really knows what the issue is. Yeah. Uh, game two against the Cardinals was an, another rough one to watch. I think this is the one that probably hurt a little bit more. It's one thing to get beat down 12 to two. It's another to watch, uh, Yadier Molina just shooting the ball all over the field. Well, yeah, the fact that Yadier Molina has seven home runs this year, or at least he did at the end of that series, and that four of them have come against the Brewers, yeah, that, he that was both, is a pain in the ass. He was both hitting for power, and he found any kind of gap in the defense and just shot yeah. a ball through here and there. Yeah, and then Harrison Bader, who had just been called back up because he'd been so awful all year. I think he had four hits in that game. So it was like the Harrison Bader-Yadier Molina show, and they carried the team to a a 6-3 win, and it was, yeah, it was typical Cardinal devil magic awfulness, and let's not speak of it more. I was going to say, as opposed to, like, when all the Cubs fans got upset that Orlando Arcia, like, went off on them. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that wasn't a decades-long thing. That was, you know, he had it's know, also a, not a, a couple games. What, it, like, a decades-long thing of, like, Yadier Molina Murdering the Brewers, yeah. He has really well, good numbers against the Brewers. Turns out he's been good for like a decade. Well, no, so that, he hasn't been that great a hitter in his career. He's a much better hitter against the Brewers than he is against just generally. So you're saying career. you're saying the great seasons Yachty's had at the plate because he has had some really good offensive seasons. He's had some good offensive seasons, not great offensive seasons. He's had some really good offensive seasons. You're saying that's only because he got to play the Brewers like 18 times a season? I think that's overstating <laughs> it a little much, Ryan. Don't you, JP? I think Ryan's going a little overboard here. I think... I think uh, what is this first take? <laughs> <laughs> we can... Yeah, we embrace debate, right? Um no, I think the I think we remember good teams or that we remember good players that we've seen over a long period of time and always forget the series in which they actually don't do anything productive and just remember the times that we actually don't really like them and did something good. And that just becomes, you know, standard, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I've seen, you know, Cubs fans complain about like, oh, Ryan Braun's, you know, killing the Cubs again in Wrigley. And I'm like, well, you check what his stat line is. I'm like, Ryan Braun has done that against a lot of teams. Right. And it's I was like, it's the Jay Bruce thing where you're just like, yeah, of course, if you see Jay Bruce, who can do damage over a long period of time. You're going to remember the times that Jay Bruce did something well. And, Which was pretty much every time he played the Brewers. And, you know, it turns out that if you play in smaller ballparks, Jay Bruce can do some damage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Brewers did get a good start from Jordan Lyles uh, in that final game against uh, the Cardinals, uh, where they won four to one. Uh, Lyle so far has a 2.51 ERA in Milwaukee. He's a free agent after this season. Uh, do you think they try to keep Lyles this offseason? I think it's going to be the same kind of problem they had with it last year, which was basically that committing to him in a roster spot was more problematic than like paying him a salary because they just need to have flexibility. And you either need to be really good and they need to feel really good about you being a stalwart and being there. Or you just kind of fall into the fungible mass of, you know, their, what, 
ninth through 18th best pitcher. So it's going to be difficult for them to do that. And he hasn't been nearly as good on the season as he was with the Brewers. So like we're seeing the kind of the best of Jordan Lyles right here. It probably isn't going to be, it probably isn't going to be something to expect going forward. Is this peak Jordan Lyles right now, JP? This is certainly Jordan Lyles with uh with a two oh three batting average on balls in play. And let me tell you that. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Lyles has been uh frankly better than I expected. I, I know that Jordan Jordan Lyles has been good against righties for for an extended period of time. He's had stretches where he's been good. The vast majority of what he's done with the Brewers has been fueled by the fact that his his batted ball luck has been you know exceedingly, exceedingly good. Even if you do want to, you know, his DRA has been has been solid enough. It's been about four. It's been uh, was a little above four, about four and a half with with the Pirates. And you mix in some good batted ball luck on that. It, it's solid. He's being able to miss some bats. His command hasn't been great. And he's still going to struggle with home runs from time to time. And if you want to bring him back, if they want to bring him back next year, that's fine. Uh, it turns into a lot of big question mark like it's it's the issue that kept them from being able to go after wade miley right like it's not like they just decided wade miley was trash and they didn't want to sign him it was the fact that i'm sure houston said we're going to give you the ball every single day and the brewers said you'll be one of our eight starting pitchers and just like most other times you go to where your best opportunity is well every single day would be a lot of starts yes it would they probably give it to him every fifth day but consistently. I, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, if they did give it to him every day. By the I, way, I, we were talking about it. Justin Verlander just uh, completed his third no-hitter. That's He's decent. If they could trade for him, they should. I kind of want to um, tell him, though, hey, man, you've already thrown a couple no-hitters. It still counts as one win. So, you know, at least get other people involved. Absolutely. And and you do think about the fact that... No-hitters are fascist? <laughs> no, that's strikeouts are fascist. Well, you probably got a lot of strikeouts if you threw a new no hitter. I was gonna say, like, do you think I bet you if you gave Levon Hernandez the ball every day, he could do it. He could still do it. Well, those would be some long games with all the runs scored. What? <laughs> but uh, he would still be able to take the ball every single day. Yeah, he'd be he'd be excellent. But if he did uh, that, you couldn't see him dance in the bullpen occasionally. <laughs> That's true, but I. I do think that the Brewers are going to be in a spot next year in which, again, they're just going to have a ton of starting pitching options. And you could bring Jordan Lyles into the mix if you want, and that's fine. He might not actually make the starting rotation out of spring, depending on what happens in spring training, how healthy everybody is, what other moves that they're able to make. Is Corbin Burns one of those options? Yeah, absolutely. I think Corbin... Corbin Burns will come in in the spring and he'll throw the ball. If he throws the ball well, he might have a shot at it, just like Freddie Peralta did at the beginning of this past year. And he might go to the bullpen. He might start the year in the minors if he has any options left, which I don't know because I didn't look. But Corbin Burns? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so there are there's a huge range of options for it. And there's also a range of options in which like Jordan Lyles could be terrible in September and then like would get signed, comes in in, in March and basically pitches himself out of rotation as well. Like you can this is this is the exact situation that the Brewers have had in their rotation all year including last year it's they all have a huge range of of uh, of outcomes and it's about which one of those is going to happen and right now you're getting the good side of Jordan Lyles which anybody looking at his stat line can see that it's unsustainable 
but you're also just hoping that he can sustain it as long as possible because uh, the Brewers have needed him and he's come through, which has been great. And hopefully he's able to do it throughout September as well. Yeah. So uh, the Brewers go down to Wrigley on, what was that, Friday? Mm-hmm. And uh, do we want to even rehash the Friday game? The Nick Castellanos two two-run homers, the bat spike. Yeah, that was all going on. Oh, you- and, and Schwarber hit a home run too, didn't he? Mm, that may have been later. I kind of drifted out. <laughs> I had you, shopping to do. You blacked out from anger? I No, I had shopping to do. I, I ran to the store. Were Is you it, offended by the bat spike, Ryan? No, uh, people were really mad about that. I was much more upset about Schwarber's uh, slide into Keston Hero, which I'm still not 100% convinced uh, didn't play some role in his injury. Ooh, I look also, forward to this. Ryan just randomly assuming he, he what said, causes injuries. He say, said, also, they said. It's also, it's also non-falsifiable. So, like, you can you can talk about whatever you want. Nobody's ever oh, going yeah. to be able to do otherwise. So. He, he prefaced it with, I think. No, no, no. So he clearly said it's his opinion. Therefore, you can state anything from that point forward. Once so, you say that it's your opinion, <laughs> it doesn't matter whether or not it's a good take. You can just freaking barrel through and go along with it. So now I get to first take. Well, you asked me a first take question before, so now I'm going to give you a first take answer. I didn't. JPS oh, about the bat spike. That is true. Okay. I was offended, but that's because any cub doing anything I find just <laughs> gratingly offensive. Um, well, also, in context of, I don't know if you read, don't read it, the Nick Castellanos article written by Bob Nightingale was like some Murray Chass 2007 uh, nerd baiting that was like, that style of article has not been popular in a decade because it's stupid. And he, he went to it and what was he like? I don't believe in war or something like that. He was, yeah, it was a lot of anti nerd stuff, which I'm like, good luck, dude. Try getting paid. Well, no, it was, it was Nick Castellano saying that he's gone and talked to people at MLB network about how you calculate wins above replacement. And they don't know. And I was like, dude, like, how does Eric Burns not know how to calculate war? I'm shocked. <laughs> well, I was like, did you go talk to Harold Reynolds? Yeah. Like, um, but I was like, if, and it's Dan always Plesak a, just yelled at him about it. <laughs> it's such disingenuous argument. First of all, like not just putting all of it aside. I was like, if you actually cared about any of it, you have an entire analytics team. That's literally upstairs where you work. You could go and ask them. But instead, like, you went to MLB Network to go and ask how this, like, analytic statistic was built? I sometimes think players assume that everybody who works for the team is in the clubhouse, and then there's, like, the general manager and president of baseball ops. Like, I be- some, some of them, I'm sure that's what they believe makes up the entire organization. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's They're a very myopic bunch. I'm just saying, like, if they don't see you, see you I, object permanence, that's probably what it is for most players. They don't <laughs> wow. They don't actually have object permanence. So once they can't see you, you no longer exist. But it's it's one of those things in which he said basically he doesn't believe in analytics, which are statistics, and then he proceed- talked about spray charts. <laughs> and then proceeded to talk about how he's got his own statistics that he looks at, which like it's so stupid. It's like everybody else who's like, I hate statistics, but look at batting average, which is still a statistic. Um, yeah, yeah, just it's a really crappy one. Well, no, it's not. If you're trying to, it depends on what you're trying to determine. It's it's the fact that using batting average to figure out how, what your offensive production is, is bad. If you want to find out how good of a hit tool you have, batting average is pretty solid. Like, it's it Fair. depends on what you look for. Um, but it's... I don't think that Nick 
Nick Castellanos needs to understand analytics. Like he's a baseball player and they use analytics all the time with the Cubs and they give him a bunch of information and he just like sees it delivered in a way that he understands, which is the entire coaching staff's job. But he doesn't need to understand what it is, nor does he even need to under he doesn't even need to like it. It's yeah. not a that's I mean, somebody needs to explain to him your cattle. We really don't care what you have to say. You're going to be slaughtered here at the end of this anyways. Wow. This is getting very dark. Hey, with the way they were able to let go of Jeffress, that basically is the fate of every baseball player. Yeah, I mean, it is a cold blood. You, st you stick around. Eventually, somebody's just going to say, we don't want you anymore. You're done. You don't get a choice. Yeah, most guys don't get to go out on their own terms. They don't get to do the uh, retirement tour where they give you rocking chairs made out of broken bats. Usually, it's nobody's calling this winter for you. Bye. You're done. Well, and, it was and like, then guys like make an announcement two years later that they've officially retired. And well, it's that like, was, yeah. Jared Washburn, like the the lefty when he was like, I'm holding out for this three year, $40 million deal. And then nobody signed him. And he was like, I retire. And you're like, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> and so, and, it's, then, and then you get to be on the walk of fame somewhere eventually. Oh, I'm like, it's, it's a really interesting, it's, it's a really interesting like moment in which a bunch of people like a bunch of reporters want to go up and say, like, there are all of these different statistics that people use to judge performance. What do you think about them? And the players go, I don't like them. And everyone goes, well, that must mean they suck. Like, well, most it, people don't do that. It's just hacks like Bob Nightingale who needed to drag well, a story out. Nightingale of seems to be on a roll lately, too. I was this say, wasn't his first story of the year where it's been like that. He seemed to be he's, he's on a roll producing him like weekly at this point. Well, he's was, trolling for clicks. That's sure. the. Yeah, I don't. I understand the game. Oh, he. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Nick Castellanos feels pretty offended about. So he's he's number one feels like he was not valued whatsoever on the trade market. He also tries to figure out why he feels like nobody is uh nobody valued him on the trade market, which a lot of it is defense related, which he sees as an analytic tool that you know is is perpetuated by by wins above replacement he's also in a situation in which he's seeing himself come up to free agency and i'm sure is very aware of the fact that a lot of people especially with his kind of profile are not going to get paid during uh f during free agency because of this and he's upset about it i wouldn't be surprised if he's the one who brought it up and the other thing is he's also on the cubs who spent the entire spring training season talking about how analytics hated them and analytics were wrong and everything about baseball prospectus was like you know showing that they were a 79 win team and everybody didn't understand what was going on oh yeah he's their fans in, are still pissed about that he's in the exact right spot about, yeah what are they right now he's in the exact he's in the exact like kind of right scenario in the in the right environment for him to have this take and i wouldn't doubt whatsoever that you know, Bob Nightingale said, came up to him and said, like, how do you feel about the fact that nobody really wanted you on the trade market? Now you're producing. And he just went off on this whole thing. Well, sure. And but the irony, as you already pointed out, JP, is that he's on one of the most analytically savvy teams in baseball, like one of the more forward thinking teams in the Cubs. Are they it, in the front office? At least they are. They're, are they? They are. Yes. Eh, oh, I have no I'm, problem I don't know with that. that. Yeah, they are. If, I think I think every the, in the dugout, less so. I, I don't I don't think they are any I don't think they're ahead of anybody. I think they're just clearly in the mix, like JP was kind of saying. Oh ever, no, they're ever, not cutting edge like the Astros. And I think you're you're kind of saying like, oh, Theo Epstein's there. And I remember the Red Sox from what almost twenty years ago. 
I mean, so you're he, kind of he leaning. Did, he did do some other stuff too. You're kind of <laughs> leaning on on his his history as opposed to how the Cubs operate now. But I, I mean, will say, I will say though that like again, all of the stuff that they're doing that's really kind of advanced statistics stuff is then uh, dumbed down or being able to. It, it is molded and shaped in a way, and so it can be presented to somebody that doesn't necessarily understand them, and to be able to digest it and be able to use it in a game situation. Well, they actually employ people to do that, whose job is literally you're going to take our data that we're getting from our quants. And you are going to mold it into information that is digestible for the players. That is literally and well, ex ball players. Like isn't a good a good manager would have player speak when they get that data and then they'd be able to relay it in a way that the player would accept it. So anyways, uh the Brewers won the second game down in Chicago. Um it was Zach Davies starting the game. He was keeping runs off the board, but uh council showed he had the quick hook in September. Right. And it was, I think, seventy seven pitches, but he'd given up some hard contact. I, if you follow Bleacher Nation on uh, Twitter, you will know that. Oh, I do. He gave up. <laughs> yeah, the Brewers pitchers yesterday apparently gave up some hard contact, guys. Like that was a thing that happened. And yeah. Anyway, so Davies gets yanked after four innings and seventy-seven pitches, and then they go through the the bullpen dance, um, which we're going to see a lot of over the next month. I was going to say you're looking forward to it, aren't you? Oh, I'm. I am very much looking forward to those four and a half hour games that go like nine innings and are like five to. Don't four. even start. You are so excited about. Craig Council managing the bullpen in September. Craig Timber. Yep. I'm all about but, it because we have like, consistently gained an advantage this way. So. Which is like super standard bullpen management in September with just more guys. It's not like Craig. No, Craig has not done anything special. Yes, it should be Stern's temper, you, not you Craig are, You're going to hurt Brian's feelings if you don't give Craig Council all the no, uh, like, accolades for this. It's just I don't understand... <laughs> Like, I, I don't even understand what is special about having a bunch of people at your disposal and being able to use them. Craig Council channels his inner Sparky Anderson. <laughs> was Sparky good at managing the bullpen? I kind of don't think he was. The Big but... Red Machine. No, that was a complaint about the Big Red Machine back in the mid-70s was Sparky had too quick a hook on pitchers and went to his bullpen. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sparky Anderson was a, I guess, quote-unquote pioneer of bullpenning. Now, it would have been bullpenning in the 70s. As I was going to say, I thought that uh, the guy Stengel in, with the Yankees was a real big early adopter of the bullpen, too. Okay, remember, whatever's being done has probably been done before. I mean, in some senses, yeah. Now so. we just have uh, fun statistical names and stuff to put We have on terms it. for it, and Brian Kenny gets to talk about it on MLB Network. Exactly, and Her Harold Reynolds get to, gets to rail against it. No, not Harold. Smoltz. Smoltz <laughs> gets to just rail. Well, he hates baseball, so he rails against <laughs> he everything. John Swartz does hate baseball. It's so bad to watch a broadcast of his because he so, the, the contempt he was for the probably, modern you know, game. He, he was probably pissed about the chicks dig the long ball commercials that Glavin and Maddox did. Yeah, back in like 1996. Yeah, mid-90s. He was probably livid about that. Why would you talk about uh, home runs when you could do a hit and run and, you know, have people bunt? Mm -hmm. So if you had to pick right now with the bullpen, if you had to pick three guys. I'd probably still put Smoltz in the bullpen. <laughs> if you had to pick three current relievers in the Brewers bullpen to be able to be their like core that they can rely on in high leverage situations, who is it? For the rest of this year we're talking, right? Yeah. Not yeah going yeah. forward. Okay. For the rest of this year, the top 12 three guys. pitch hater on day one, Josh Hader on day two, and uh hope and a prayer on day three. The but, three guys, the top three guys would be Hader, Guerra, and 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it. I mean, there's a lot of guys who I think are capable. It's just I know, but they this don't is really like, stand out from each other. This is the entire conversation we had about Jacob Barnes. There are a bunch of people that are capable, but like, who are you going to rely on to say that I need three outs today? Who am I going to? Yeah, I mean, it. It's going to be interesting. Pomerantz probably. I was going to say Pomerantz. I think that it's probably Pomerantz. I think that's right. But like last year, in in the moment in which they were really pulling in in September. It was what? It was uh, Ader, Knable, Soria, Burns, Woodruff to a certain extent was pitching out of the oh, bullpen. Oh, see, I never would have gone with Soria, but sure. I didn't, Soria, like Sor- I didn't like Soria last year. But Soria was but, pitching in the sixth, seventh inning of Leeds. Sure. But he was solid, right? He was fine. And he was so, acceptable. like, you I, had. I saw him blow had, a game, like, pretty bad. You had, <laughs> well, you had, you had Jeffress prior to September, where he was both A, not healthy, and B, not necessarily as effective. But, like, though that core does not exist in this year's bullpen, because we were talking about what, like, two months ago, that Junior Guerra was threatening to, like, pitch himself out of high leverage situations, much less than even maybe the bullpen. I mean, I never bought that, but Guerra's been probably their second best reliever. No, no doubt. He's been their second most valuable reliever just because he leads right. the NL in innings and I, he's able to go back to back days and also go multiple innings sometimes. I 100% agree that he has been the second best guy in the bullpen. My point is that I'm not sure that's a great sign. No, if he was their fourth best reliever instead of their second best reliever, they'd have a really good situation. But. It's not that way. Yes, if your mediocre reliever was not your second best reliever, he's not mediocre. He's very useful. He can pitch innings, which is useful. He's not a great pitcher. I still, I still hold on to the no Garas hashtag. He's he's not great. He's good. (laughs) Okay. Oh, in June he had a six ERA. In July he was up at four and a half, and then he's had two to three good well he's had two good months in in april and august he's been sub three in may he was about uh he was above three and a half and then so like between may and july wasn't all that good um what about all garas combined what's that been because <laughs> I, I still say if you go no garas completely you're gonna do a lot better i think that uh dealis gara is gonna skew that a little bit i don't think he's gonna help hey so i not sure that's fair to Junior. I don't care. I'm I'm mixing that into the stats so that way it all works. Because no, no, no Junior Guerra is too long of a hashtag. We'll just go no Guerra's. You're the reason why Nick Castellanos doesn't like analytics. Okay? <laughs> but I think I think that Junior Guerra has been solid over the course of uh, over the course of the year. He's had great moments and he's in a good moment right now. But like again, when you're looking at trying to construct an above average bullpen. You need to have guys that you can rely on to be good at any moment, not just guys who can and have the capability going through really positive stretches. And that's the reason why I'm concerned about September being able to, they need guys to be able to step up. And I hope that they're able to do it with, you know, a lot of the guys that they're able to call up right now that hopefully they can find a a guy or two in there that they can come in and just be absolute lockdown guys at the back end of the bullpen. If they can find that through the September call-ups or if Junior Guerra can, you know, be the guy and, and actually like sustain this for an extended period of time, then that's great. Then they have an ability to kind of get by the shortages that they have at the starting rotation. Yeah. So um, Brewers fans collectively had a, uh, a a pain in the back of their legs yesterday. Would you say we everybody all at once could feel it? 
feel that hamstring grab when Kessid Hero went out with an injury? I was like, wondering why I was on a bike ride yesterday and all of a sudden like, <laughs> could, just couldn't handle it. There's it's a disturbance like, in the force. I was just going to say there were a thousand voices crying out and then all of a sudden <laughs> silence. Just like had a massive cramp. Yeah. Just needed water. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, Kessid Hero, he's uh, on the IL now with a, a strained hamstring. Yeah, he was Schwarbered. <laughs> Again, Schwarber's not your favorite guy either. No, um, it it sounds like he's going to be back. I think Craig Council said initially right after it that we expect him to play again this year. They said Stearns, two weeks or so. Stearns then came in on Sunday morning and said two weeks, yeah, or so. So uh, we think the, we'll the or so is if we're do still think, in it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, do you, think, yeah. do you think it's completely dependent on whether or not they're pushing for a wildcard spot? Yes. Yeah, I think it probably. Is. I don't know why you'd chance it. If if there's the possibility to still make the playoffs, like a good shot to make it, yeah, I can see maybe pushing it to try to get him back. If you're not right in that mix, I don't know why you'd take Kesson Hira and push him in a season that's, you know, slowly going down the drains. No, he's yeah. he's done what he needs to do this year and will come into next year as their what on paper, at least at this point, second best hitter. I mean, that depends sure. on yeah. what happens with Grandall and what happens with Moustakis and some of the No, here's, like, I think here's still a better hitter than those guys. Yeah, I agree. So, Especially going forward. Okay, this is his rookie season, and this is what he's doing. And the sure. guy is a hitting savant. That's he's kind of his really thing. really good, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would say he's easily, regardless of what moves they make in the offseason, uh, it's Yelich and then here are the top two hitters on this team. So if you had to look, right, so I just was taking a look at uh, the playoff odds on ESPN. Um, what would you think that their the Brewers have as playoff odds at the moment? God, it feels like zero. Fifteen ish percent, ten to fifteen percent. I'm just saying it feels that way, and then you check the standings and you go, oh, they still got a shot. I haven't was, looked lately, but ten to fifteen. Your guess, your guess is officially zero, and then and then Ryan's is, is ten to fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah, it's eight point one. Okay, so about and, in the middle. Yeah, so the uh, so, at, <laughs> so yes. Atlanta. That funny so, math. So Atlanta and uh, and Washington and Los Angeles basically have everything locked up. St. Louis is at eighty eight percent. The Cubs are at eighty percent, and basically what they're doing is trying to be able to somehow catch the Cubs because it's you know watch the Washington Nationals basically have the the wild the first wild card locked up, and Dodgers have it. Uh, St. Louis right now has a pretty. I don't know. Cubs fans. Yeah, I mean, the Nationals would be ahead of the Cardinals right now if they were in the NL Central. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Which is why the the Nationals still are up at 98% for their playoff odds. So basically, right now, it's the Brewers need to either win the Central or or overtake the Cubs to be able to to make the playoffs. And being four games back of the Cubs right now, depending on obviously what happens today, then that's a that's a it's not an easy hill to climb in one month. Especially when it's not the bullpen they had last season with Hader, Knable, et cetera. Right, because you want to be able to be in a position in which you can outpitch your run differentials, right? And, yeah. And, and as of right now, like one of the biggest reasons they've got such a low playoff, like their run differential on the year is still negative. It's negative 43. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, but again. Brutal. I mean, Ryan and his Craig Council worship of the way he handles the bullpen. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a bit of a reason for that. Well, it's it's starting to become fairly consistent, so you can see uh, it from. Well, year. I mean, what are we at? Two, three seasons? 
they've outplayed their run differentials significantly three seasons in a row now. Well, but they didn't have negative run differentials the last two well, seasons, no, but did they? It's a question of to outplay, outplay a negative run differential is a little bit different than just to outplay your run differential. It says you're an 80 win team and you're able to win 90. But you're so there's also a situation right now. So the Brewers are behind the Cubs in the NL Central, obviously for for both uh, you know, the NL Central crown, but they're also behind them for the wild card. For the wild card right now, uh, Washington's ahead of them, Philadelphia's ahead of them, Arizona's ahead of them, Chicago's ahead of them, and they're tied with the Mets. That's a lot. That's a lot of moving well, points. Philly and Arizona, those are kind of percentage points. They haven't played the same number of games. You're talking about half games there. Yeah. Like, literally, when this game goes final, yeah. that could all change. And so, then yeah. it's only one team ahead of them. After Absolutely. the Sunday game, the Brewers will have 26 games left. And... It's well, okay. So coming into the game on Sunday, they had 27 games left. They needed to go 21 and six to win 90. They needed to go 16 and 12 to go to 85. So, but, but my point isn't necessarily that they're, you know, they're behind all of these guys. They're behind them right now. But what that means is even because I do think right now that the entire conversation is uh, the Brewers need to beat the Cubs. That if they beat the Cubs, that you know, things are going to go well, but there are a lot of other teams that are still in the mix. Yeah, somebody else can get hot. Counting um, Sunday's game, hold on. Counting Sunday's game, they have five left against the Cubs because they also play them four in Miller Park next week. Yes, they have an opportunity they to... They need to, in those games, I think at a minimum, to have any sort of shot, go four and one, right? Like, they can afford a loss in there, but four and one is about... They need to... Four and one gives them a three-game net. Wait, are you up. counting this game? I'm saying... The game they're currently playing on Sunday... The game they're currently playing on Sunday, plus the four coming up, that's five games. They need to go four and one in those games. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we have a Patreon question from Jason Donlinger. He asks, uh, give me one good reason to have hope that this team can go on a run and at least catch up in the wild card chase. I mean, Kristen Yelich and Josh Hader, right? Those, I, they have some top line talent. Your, 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 your hope isn't Craig Council? Um <laughs> No, I do think that it's the hope for me is going to be September call-ups just in terms of very specific ones. Uh, I mean, like, say what you want about it being a rehab outing, uh, but like Brent Suter has not given up a run, much less an earned run, all throughout his entire buildup coming through the minors here on his rehab outing. He was hitless through his first, like, 10 innings, wasn't he? And he just threw a four shutout, and it and he's been expanding and he's been going deeper and deeper into games and at this point it does definitely feel like they're grooming him to move into the starting rotation well and he's also one of the reasons why jeffers was let go mm -hmm. absolutely and so if you can if if Suter can be uh can be solid i don't think he needs to be great but if he can be solid to the point that you can rely on him for five innings and you can have Nelson uh, come in if he's able to find any kind of form whatsoever. Like Freddie Peralta has shown that he can do it over times, even though he's still going to have his blow ups in the middle of it. But there are guys that have the capability to come on in and have had big league success. And you're hoping that something something happens where they're able to, to kind of like uh, hit a run. And I understand that that sounds a whole lot like hope. Uh, rather than like an actual argument, but I do think that's kind of that's where... what it is at this point. You're Dude, just I, yeah, I, I kind mean, of think... their playoff percent's under ten percent. It is just uh, you're kind of holding on to a hope that they could get hot, which we have seen this team do. Like yeah. we've seen them do that. So I don't think it's an irrational hope, but it's a long shot. 
Well, as long as it's rational. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I didn't know how to respond to that. Um, okay. So uh, we are hoping that they can get on a run, but uh, we still have a banged up Mike Moustakis. Yep, to and go it, with the uh, hamstring of Keston Hira, and then Mustakas did take batting practice on Sunday. He felt better and took some grounders, but it didn't He's, go well. I read well, this okay. morning that was yesterday. Apparently, he feels better on Sunday, and that he was saying he told Sophia that he was he was thinking he could probably play on Monday. Well, sure. I think we're in September, and I, every player, regardless of how they feel, probably says they can play and contribute at this point. And Braun and Kane. What is it? Kane has a knee and Braun has a back. They have age. Yeah, they have age. I can I can relate to what they have. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're gonna have to kind of piece things together here. But they have called up Travis Shaw is up, and just took a walk to load the bases in the uh, fifth inning with Prob- the result problem one solved. Shaw's so, back. <laughs> Shaw is back. If there's one thing that Travis Shaw's been able hasn't been able to do this year, it's walk. Yeah, that is the the Achilles heel. Um. And then on the pitching side, they brought up uh, Jacob Faria from AAA. Uh, I know Ray Black is By back. the way, two outs, full count, Spanschberg at the plate with the bases loaded. What do you think is going to happen here? He's going to walk. <laughs> nope. Oh, man. Nope. Wow. That was a, a, a shitty pitch and a bad swing. Man I, alive. Yeah, he really. The TV is very far away from me, so I can't necessarily see that. You didn't miss anything. I trust you. Yeah. But I... It's a nice curveball. It is... It's a very... uh, It's a very... Strange situation that... You know, if we were thinking about the middle infield coming into this year, and we were talking about who potentially was going to be playing shortstop second base, I think everybody was saying, you know, Orlando Arcia really needed to show something, especially with how bad offensively he was a year ago. He's been in and out he's still i think gone through an extended bad period here in the last couple of months and but we were all like well you know you've still got dubon there you've still got the ability to maybe you know aaron Perez can fill in from uh, on a day-to-day basis if if needed but really you know dubon is the guy that you want to look at there second base it was like well mustakas is going to play there a little bit shaw's shown that he can play there a little bit and then you've got you've got hira but now we're in a situation through both poor performances and injuries that basically up the middle, you're looking at Saladino, Spangenberg, and, you know, Aaron Perez and, and an Orlando Arcia that's hit under 200 since the beginning of June. Like that, like that's the reason why the Brewers have struggled this year a little bit more. It's just been a lot of the redundancy and the depth that they've built was dependent upon, you know, guys like Travis Shaw, not, being awful um and and he might not be next year right like we've talked about that at length but some of this stuff that's happened i'm not sure you could have really foreseen it and then they've had really terrible injuries injury problems in key spots whether you're talking about canable whether you're talking about Hira down the stretch here whether you're talking about jimmy nelson just not really being able to get healthy the fact that brandon woodruff was in the midst of a breakout and then had an oblique injury and then is out for the better part of two months like a lot of key spots that they've needed to stay healthy or the key spots that they hadn't built as much redundancy into either just have gotten hurt or they've been bad. Okay. I'm going to ask this, this Jason Donlinger Patreon question. We already have one of his earlier, but here's another one. Uh, If, if the Brewers do fail to make the postseason, where does 2019 rank with the disappointments of 2009 and 2012? 
I, the lowest of the three. I mean, 2012 was the most disappointing of that group because they had a good team coming back. Yeah, they didn't have Prince Fielder, but they still had an incredible uh, rotation. That was a great year for Corey Hart, and he was playing first base. Mm-hmm. Like he filled in for Prince Fielder that year. And they also brought in Aramis Ramirez, who was really good and basically kind of picked up that slack and was still good for another year or two there. And that season was completely undermined by a bullpen that had been, you had Axford and K-Rod were both back that year, and they single-handedly torched that team. You go look, it's one of the worst bullpen seasons by uh, expected win percentage lost of any one that you'll see in baseball history, going back as far as Fangraphs does that. It was dreadful. It was really, really awful. That's the most disappointing one. The 2009 one, we sort of knew because we were losing CC, we were losing Sheets. We were hoping that young pitching like Gallardo. I can still see the Journal Sentinel uh, graphic for Gallardo and and, um, Para, Manny Para. Mm-hmm. Where they were growing out of the ground because it was homegrown <laughs> talent, and it's very literal. That was the hope, and you know, Braden Looper happened, and Jeff Supon continued <laughs> to be awful, and the that just didn't work. Like that, that plan was bad. The Brewers are not in a situation where in 2009 we were all sitting there going, "Okay, where? How is this going to get better?" You can look at the 2020 Brewers right now and say oh, there's lots of young players around and guys can improve and they have payroll room that they can work with. They have a lot of different things they can do to make this good for 2020 in a way that 2009, they didn't have that. 2012, I mean. Well, I think also, okay, you guys both picked the Brewers to not win the division and they were a a mid to low 80 win team. I think we had like 86 and 84, something like that. Yeah, I think I had them at like 88 or something. And I think I picked the Brewers to win the division, but it was like, oh, the NL Central is going to be a bloodbath. Like first team to 90 can win it. Mm -hmm. You know, so if they get into 80 wins, they're not really far off what I think every, what everybody expected to begin the season. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I was going to say like, as far as disappointments are concerned, like I, I think I was at like 85, 86 wins. Um, I think I was at like 84, 85, and then I moved it up a run or uh, a win or two once they signed uh, Grandal and Moustakis. And yeah, I think that a lot of this is just kind of what we expected. Um, I think it's kind of happened in a way that maybe we didn't expect because I, I don't think that we all saw Corey Knable like going down with the Tommy John surgery. Like that's not something that we were all sitting here and predicting in, in February, but or Shaw being useful and then being completely useless this season. Or Aguilar. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, one of the biggest, like, the craziest thing for me was, like, early in spring training, like, Travis Shaw was murdering the baseball. He was, inc- like, he was one of the guys early in spring that we were talking about is just, like, absolutely coming in and asserting himself. And then it's just been dead. It's been crazy. But, yeah, to me, like, this isn't. I don't want to say like it's not disappointing. Like you, you, you'd always like to make the. Oh, it's definitely disappointing coming off of the season they have. Yeah, but like I think that what ended up happening was everybody looked at last season's production and and the end of the season is saying, okay, good, that's the baseline. Then it's either like it's that or better, or it's that or they added a couple of pieces, right? And I think that what ended up happening and and one of the things that we talked about a lot over the off season was last year. I think they overperformed. In a lot of ways, and that we were looking at a lot of the things that they were relying on and saying there's a lot that could go wrong here. 
and saying that the the NL Central was going to be tough, and that's turned out to be true. And yeah, if they don't make if they don't make the playoffs and they they get like 84, 85, 86 wins, like that's about what we thought. I mean, can you imagine the Brewers having a roster that going into the season we'd say, yeah, they're ninety wins. I mean, they're always kind of a team where we're going to expect things are going to have to break right. Oh, I thought you meant like, is there a pathway to 90 wins for next year? Um, yeah, I mean, in no. I, I think that eventually they could get to a spot where you would expect them to get 90 wins. I, I'm not saying that there's not a scenario in which they could have a, a great generation coming through and they can build around it. But for next year, I'm not sure that they're going to have, again, the pieces in the minor league squ- the minor league system to be able to go out and get impact talent. I don't necessarily know what high-end talent is going to be available on the free agent market. They might be able to go get a Grandall type uh, on or a one-year. Grandall. That's what or, I'm thinking is they'll bring back Grandall. Yeah. Hey, what are the chances that they can do another couple one-year deals considering that 2021 is going to be dicey as far as a season being played? Yeah. I think it'll be quite good. I mean, it all depends on what the market looks like, and I don't see any reason to think that the market's going to all of a sudden start handing out money the way it used to. So probably pretty decent, but we're going to have to wait for it. We're going to have to sit and be patient and sit there and wait for all these players to go off the board, and then it'll be like, oh, they signed this guy, and well, it'll be the end of January. Is there a case to be made to say just like go out and overpay people right away in the off season and say, well, you're probably not going to play in 2021 anyways. Get your money now. And then uh, wait for the renegotiated contracts. Yeah, I think that there could be teams that do that. I the one thing that that I question on kind of Ryan's uh, train of thought there is there are I do think that there are actually going to be more teams that are buying because if you look at how many teams are competing right now and how many teams are competing right now, like the D backs that are kind of in the middle of shedding money and also getting into a position in which they feel like they've got a young core. You've got the Mets that have been kind of moving around money. They still might even move uh, no Syndergaard, even though I think that's dumb, but they might still do it. And you've got a lot of teams in the NL that are interested in buying. You have just a few teams that are in the middle of a really big, deep rebuild. And so the other thing is the Brewers aren't the only ones that recognize if you wait as long as you can during the offseason, people are going to sign one-year deals, and there are going to be a lot of teams that are interested in those one-year deals. And they won't be quite the – a team coming off of an NLCS appearance has a lot more appeal than I think if we're assuming they missed the playoffs. You know, that they don't necessarily have the draw, the appeal to guys saying, well, I'm if I'm going to take Ryan's, a low-market I'm deal – I'm surprised Ryan's already out on this. What? You're already saying they're not going to make the playoffs this year? I I mean it's You're here 10%. to be you're here to be the the one that always believes. I mean it's that that it's Craig Tember. It's 10%. So. And they should be able to uh bullpen their way into the anyway, playoffs. Anyway, the point being that they aren't going to be the draw for players that they maybe were last offseason where they could attract a Yasmani Grandal on a discount one-year deal because Man, they, they have, they have Christian, NLCS. you can come and play with Christian Yelich and Keston Hira. So they still have some selling points. But, uh, but we got some. a Patreon question from Sam Kluender. He asked, uh, since it appears the Brewers will not be playing meaningful games in the near future, he has the same attitude as Ryan, uh, <laughs> which players uh, should the Packers call the Brewers about now that the football season's er, upon us? Come on, Christian Yelich, he's got to be a wide receiver, right? Oh, I mean, he'd get broken really quickly, though. Did you see those pictures? I mean, 
he's not exactly a he's not a beefy dude. He's not beefy. No, I mean there's there's not a lot of meat on that those bones. So yeah, who's he, a football player on the squad? JP. He's kind of built, man. Mike Mustakas is a football player. Yeah, I could see Mustakas as a linebacker. Mustakas, I was gonna say, or a fullback. There you go. Otherwise, Thames. Clearly, I mean, yeah. I mean, oh. Thames would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he'd I have to be one of those rush ends or whatever. You could just kind of rotate in and out. You don't want him on the field every play because dude's going to get hurt. Right. But he's not at all. He's really not like particularly fast though. So it doesn't matter. You got some power and some quicks. You can do it. Uh, uh, all right, power I, and quicks. I could see somebody like uh, I could see somebody like Woodruff being a good quarterback. Like big, tall, sturdy. Like, I mean, he's what six four. You like your pocket passers? Just be a statue back there? <laughs> Look, let's go. Put him back there. Just seven-step drop and then chuck it downfield. Al Davis. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, right? What what Davis say? Oh, I have no idea. What I was, was going to say, again, like I We're, am not to be having this conversation with. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it was. Yeah, the Raiders. Uh, I don't know. Force the deep ball or something like that. We'll have to well, ask. That- Jay knows. Isn't that yeah. why they got that? Uh, they always it? draft some fast guy that couldn't catch. Oh, like Darius some, Hayward Bay. Yeah, that. Yes, that's that why pick. Just like everyone looks at it and says, "What? What? You Did could the, run the, really fast. That's all it yeah. takes. Just get downfield, beat the uh, beat the coverage." So, um, well, we're already talking football, so this means we need to wrap this shit up real quick, right? <laughs> we are out of out of our element at the moment. Uh, what are we not going to? We not going to talk about the Badger game on Friday? <laughs> do we want to do a full podcast on that? We should call Andy in. We got to call Andy. It was like it was a great start to the year. I was worried that they were going to like just absolutely lay an egg on the first day, and I was all excited about it. And then there was all the lightning, and I was like, they're not even going to play tonight. Hey, did you see that uh, Jonathan Taylor's really good? I've heard. I've heard rumors. <laughs> did you know that he actually like was on the track team again, trying to improve his speed? I didn't hear that like all summer. I think what I enjoyed the most though is every time he caught a ball, like it was like, oh my god, he's catching passes. What and I really so, enjoyed yeah. was Steve randomly complaining about Cone in the middle of the, I don't know, it was like the second quarter or something. Dude, I wasn't still watching can't the game. Hit a, He still can't hit a ball downfield. What What really made me amused was I think he was like sixteen of twenty one, so he had like a really accurate sort of day, and all you, that you heard was people complaining about him which means we are exactly where the Badgers always are with quarterbacks, which is... Do they have anybody in the wings kind of waiting? Yeah, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard stories, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have to see. And boom, is that who you're looking for? <laughs> Chase, Danny. <laughs> Chase Wolf, Danny Vandenboom. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy that seeing Steve because there was no context to it. I saw it about 20 minutes after it came in. So I just saw Steve complaining about it had to have been a bad throw. And I, I knew that, and but I had no idea because I was grilling at the moment, so I didn't even see it happen. So like I just knew like Steve complaining about oh yeah this is this is par for the course this is what people do. Ryan's out there grilling his sausages for the game. So I I do want to uh, I do want to get us back on track a little bit here because we got the playoffs coming up here in the Milwaukee's tailgate fantasy baseball league. Yes, we do. I heard that they're going to happen. It'll be fun to watch. I will say that you are still down in the consolation ladder. Ladder, Both of you are. So you'll have an opportunity to uh, still take, I don't know, 
Is it pride? Is that what we were calling it? <laughs> well, maybe Ryan and I will get a matchup, and then that way it'll be a that'll be more of a, a blood duel than <laughs> than whatever you guys have going on on the winner's side. Yeah, so I will say, uh, so shout out to, I don't have the, the individual names for every single team, so I apologize, but uh, I will kind of read out some of the, the teams that are doing extremely well. So the team that has been pacing us all year has been soup pitched horribly, which a good, good, good team name. Uh, he's gone 16 and four all year. He's got the number one slot. He's got that all completely locked up. He's going to be number one. So that's been uh, a phenomenal year for him. And so he's going to be going up against the Yelich regression, who's got the eighth seed. Uh, for the number five seed, we've got Gruber Law Offices, which I know is going to be Steve's favorite. One of Steve's favorite names will be the Gruber Law Office. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. He's gone 12 and eight, and we got trouble with the Kurd at 13, six and one. He's got the number four uh, seed locked up. Josh's wall bangers are the sixth seed. I have got the number three seed right now. And then uh, Orlando's Oppo Taco Truck, which is a good name. I like that's that one. That's a really good name. Yeah, that's a good one. So number seven seed being 11 and nine. And then we've got Doug Jones's mustache, which is Darren Jones, who Ryan is consistently called Jones throughout the year. And he's gone Guilty. 13 and one. And uh, the, he's got the number two seed all locked up. So fan fantastic performance from everybody who's going to be up in the winner's bracket. Everybody who's down in the loser's bracket or the consolation bracket. I apologize. Uh, it's been. A, it's, you do not. You do not apologize to either of us. It's still. You well, are no. a liar. You're disingenuous. I apologize to everybody listening. I do not apologize to the two faces I see through my computer screen. <laughs> um, but we have an opportunity to still kind of claw back some pride. Um, but. It's been it's been a really competitive league throughout the year. It's been active uh, so throughout the year. It has been extremely active. There's been trades going on throughout the year too. Hey, I made a couple trades. I've saw I yeah, I've seen those. And so And they helped. They did help. <laughs> Them and, or you. No, uh, so I will say though that like I lost I lost a I traded for... Verlander, so uh yeah, that that definitely helped someone else. <laughs> I saw uh I I lost to Steve earlier this year, and that like really pissed me off, because I don't think you had even won prior to that point, and then I like lost to you early. I don't even remember when it was. I but, finally you know. had some pitchers pitch instead of like tie on on the DL and uh, yeah. who else? I don't know. I got a bunch. Most like like I was complaining about before we started recording. Most of my team, I got little red ILs by everybody. So yeah, that's the way so, it goes. That's what that's what happens when you say I'm going to draft some pitchers. But it also wasn't an opportunity that you could have dropped them and actually picked up some guys who could have played. Um, but I will say that as of right now, shit, there's it does no mute, seem there's no mute button right in front of me. <laughs> I was gonna say it does seem that uh, the number one kind of favorite going into the going into the playoffs is going to be Sue Pitch horribly, who is Bill Reinhardt. So huge shout out to Bill for for a good team going throughout this year. And uh, we're going to all be looking to try to take him down if we can. But playoffs start next week, go throughout September, and hopefully, um, I, I hope I win. But I hope that everybody in, enjoys the playoffs as well. Yeah. So, hey, we got some new patrons this week that we want to give a shout out to. Yeah, absolutely. So we did have a question from Sam. So uh, Sam Kluander. Uh, and then Stephen Kurtz as well. Huge thank you to everybody. And the first Patreon uh, for the reporting is eligible is going to be coming out next. Or is it this week? It's this week. I already got it. It's scheduled for Tuesday morning. Perfect. So going to be coming out for Tuesday morning. How long gonna is that, Steve? I think uh, Paul's going to do like 15 to 20 minutes doing a, a preview of the game. 
Um, yeah. So most so, most of the podcasts are going to come out on Wednesday. So it's going to be kind of a wrap up of everything that happens during the week after the game. So this will be kind of a Friday thing for Patreon subscribers that they'll get a preview going into the next game. Yeah. And so they've got a Thursday game against the Bears, right? Yeah, that's why it's coming out on Tuesday. Otherwise, I think it's mostly going to come out on Fridays during the season. Yep. So everybody who uh, is a Patreon subscriber, huge thank you. Make sure you enjoy that. That's going to be coming out on Tuesday. And then Ryan and I will be having our minor league extra coming out next week. And that we're going to cover the AFL rosters. We're going to talk about the season as a whole, likely kind of give out our pitcher and hitter of the year and start to, to look forward to what we can look at um going forward so it'll be a good opportunity to start getting that sweet sweet content in your ears exactly and don't forget if you become an m and b level member on our patreon we'll come up with better names for them to be both baseball and football relevant but right now it's, it's, i was gonna say it's gonna be that terrible t-shirt that has like all the different logos to no the- it will never be that over my dead body it, it will be, be that yeah but if you want to uh, join the MNB level, that's our ten dollar level, and you'll be a part of the uh, reporting as eligible fantasy football league, which that'll be a lot of fun. Again, we just talked about how great the baseball league was, so join that. Um, anybody who's at the ten dollar level can be in the fantasy football league. Paul says he's terrible at it. I don't know about Jr. or Matt, but you know, try it out and see if you can beat those guys. It should be a good time. Oh, and, and win Tecmo Bowl. And you can win Tecmo Bowl nineteen. So you could play with Aaron Rodgers in Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, it'd be sweet. That alone is like worth the like the effort that goes into it. Yeah, because in the the classic Tecmo Super Bowl, it was uh, Don Mikowski and oh, I'm forgetting who the backup was. The Brett back- Keel. No. Anthony Dillwig. Dillwig. Yes, Dillwig was the backup in that for the. So you either had the Magic Man or Anthony Dillwig to play for the Packers. It was pre Favre, so. I was gonna it say, was some rough going. Is that you keep looking at me? I was like, I I mean, Mikowski before he got hurt was a good quarterback. Like he was. This is before JP's time, but like, well, he was like he's three. not that young. He was. He was. He existed. Right. He was. When, was, when would he that have been? Uh, Mikowski and like he was really good in I think eighty nine ninety. That yeah, I think Tecmo Super Bowl is like ninety one. So it's probably yes. after the ninety season. Yeah. Yes. Two. Good. Yeah. But Mikowski was a good quarterback. He just he got hurt and then was pretty much done. I think he had a shoulder injury, right? I don't care. But as long as Ditka is still pissed that he says Mikowski was over the line of scrimmage when he threw that pass to beat the Bears in like 89 or whatever it was, that's all that matters. It is all that matters. As long as Ditka goes to his grave still hating that play, that's all I care about. And cursing technology. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, fuck the Bears. Fuck the Cubs. <laughs> at that time of year just all of them can go to hell (laughs) tell me how you really feel steve exactly hey we have the explicit uh tag on our our we do have the i wasn't even the one swearing this week no but that's not the first time an f-bomb's been dropped on this podcast so (laughs) no it's not but i was just saying like i have personal growth i didn't even swear Hey, uh, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash tailgate. And like we said, we've got all that great stuff going on. Uh, Ball and Glove Level uh, receives a monthly minor league extra podcast, the preview podcast from the football podcast, and then uh, follow us on Twitter at tailgate. Submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com, or you can uh, submit questions to our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, 
and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave reviews and help people find the podcast. And again, leave reviews for all the podcasts, for us, for reporting as eligible. Leave them there and write something funny because we always enjoy it. Uh, So thanks for listening. Look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.